Wyoming Toyota Studio. It's Cofield and Company. The show is always hobbled in some doing, way. Uh, Mentally with Ari around. I was doing some... Uh, Physically with Adam around. Sure. You're in a bubble. So get out of the bubble. Talk to real people. There's no less healthy show in the country. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go on a Monday. Cofield and Company. Adam Hill is here. He is the company. Ari's back in our Finley Toyota Studios. Uh, busy, busy day. We'll talk a little baseball later in the hour with uh, Dave Koken. We got another preview today as we count down the Cofield and Company NFL rankings all the way up to number one. Giants are in, and they're not in the top half of the league. Let's get to it. It's Trending at 3, presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. All right, lots to get to with the Raiders. A bunch came out of the game in terms of uh, some of the support staff. Um, Well, more aptly or more accurately, the twos and the threes, not the support staff. It makes it sound like a a coaching deal. Uh, But before any of that and all the other NFL news from preseason week number one, uh, I know you were a little worked up about uh, some of the highlights we got of officials clamping down on the celebration stuff. Oh, boy. We shouldn't – We. We shouldn't go gaga over this. Don't you think they're just trying to send a message? I hope so. That's some of the calls over the weekend were pretty ticky tack. Yeah, that's the hope. Is that okay? They're cranking. They're they're clamping down on taunting penalties and celebration penalties and all that sort of thing. So um, they are going to call this. You know, this year supposedly they're going to call this all the time. I would hope that they just do it in the preseason and say, "Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this," and try to just get it to not happen. Because, I mean, the Colts game was the most egregious example. They've got a running back that moves the pile like 15 yards. And he gets out. Like, he finally, they finally bring him down. That's like a, it's an unbelievable play. We know there's going to be emotion. You're still all jacked up. You just try to carry, you know, seven 300-pound guys 15 yards down the field. And he just, he gets out of it. He's like, yeah, yeah. Just you know, celebrating. And like, I flag. Now you're going to lose all the yardage that you just picked up from moving the guys down the field. It's just stupid. And, and. I think taunting Well, this apparently was a coach-driven thing, Adam. I've heard. So I don't know which coaches wanted it, but they thought there was too much taunting going on, so they pushed for this to be more aggressive on celebration. But I think there's going to be a lot of coaches who are like, no, we want emotion out there, especially uh, in the preseason when there's not a lot of motivation to play if guys know they have their job. So we're in a weird transition point. And and as you said, as I said, I hope this is just – they're going to, you know, hammer them early just to send a message and – you know, during the season, they're not going to throw flags for stupid showing of a, you know, throw stupid flags for showing emotion. I hope not. But again, I I don't I don't know like if if it is a thing where, and, and as you said, we've heard, hey, the coaches wanted this. I don't know what coaches. I don't know who that means. Um, I don't know if at some point they go back and say, oh, this is not what we wanted. Like we did not want drives derailed because a guy screams like, woo, like you don't want that to happen. Uh, but this is where they are right now, and. I mean, again, I, people talk about what's going to ruin the game or why people are going to stop watching, and like, I don't know that this is going to be it. But if you don't, if you can't have any fun or any emotion at all, they've already taken a lot of that out. You can't do anything. Like I, that, then it starts to get stupid. All right, let's get to some of the details of the game here in just a second. Uh, the big story around the game, of course, is trying to streamline ingress, egress to our new football stadium. What did you hear? 
I, I mean, not a whole lot of negative. Um, I, I know that there was, you know, some people that were upset with, with certain things, but for the most part, it seemed like it went okay. And I, I think, you know, part of it, well, listen, up front, I was there at one o'clock in the afternoon and I left after midnight. So I wasn't going to see anything anyway. Uh, I tried to keep looking out the, the window uh, through uh, Allegiant to see what the traffic was like on 15. You can see 15 both directions. Yeah. Um, and it looked like the, you know, the far, the two far right lanes in the 15 South, which would be leading up to Russell, were pretty much stopped, you know, a mile back. Uh, but I think you would expect that as well. Like getting off of the, what are you going to not have any, any traffic getting off the freeway off ramp? Um, but it seemed like, you know, people were there. It's not like it was a, a late arriving crowd of people that couldn't get in the stadium. People were there, and I didn't see a whole lot of tweets about I people. S- I saw some sticker shock on the parking because oh, the MGM yeah. rolled out its its uh, parking prices, and it, it was seventy five bucks at the Luxor, it was eighty at Mandalay Bay, and apparently people who didn't realize that uh, there was a game going on <laughs> at Mandalay were going to a show, and they're like eighty dollars to park. Yeah, yeah. I mean, on game days you're cooked. So if you're going down there uh, and you decide to drive down, you know, like you've done forever here in Las Vegas on game days, you're paying the same price that Raiders fans are paying to walk across the bridge, to park and then walk across the bridge. Yeah, and we've seen that a little bit with Golden Knights and uh, and even more so with UFC, uh, where I've, I've I'm kind of gotten, uh, I don't know, numb to this of, of people complaining about it because, like, I guess you just have to check the schedule everywhere now. <laughs> because I've seen it with, like, UFC, I think they were doing, like, 50 for a while at New York, New York. And so, and people would just show up and like, oh, I'm going to dinner. Like, yeah, it's, it's an event, so you gotta you gotta do this. I know some other garages in town have event night pricing. Um, you know, first Friday, a lot of garages downtown are crazy. I saw. I actually was uh, was downtown this weekend and saw some different parking lots now doing twenty for the night. Twenty. I know some that are fifty. Fifty downtown. Yeah, it's crazy. Wow. But I, I, that, that's what it is when there's <laughs> when there's events. So like first Friday nights. Yeah. It's an event night, 50 bucks. You're like, oh, okay. Um, so, I mean, you have to know, I guess, everything that's going on in the area of where you're going yeah, to anything It's a now. new world. Yeah, which is which is crazy. Uh, but, yeah, that that's that's where it's at. I know, you know, I, I even people that I that have been covering the team or around the team, there, you know, there's there's a media parking lot that's off-site, and there's a bus that you take into the, into the stadium. And on the bus, I saw, like, some of the media people saying, like, $100 to park? I'm like, Yes. Wait, they had no idea near the stadium. I guess, yeah. I guess so. Have you not covered the story? We've been talking about this for months. It's, yeah. I mean, the, the the MGM stuff was new because it was the first, you know, Raiders game right. with a crowd there. So we'll see how that that progresses. We'll have a lot more from uh, RTC in the 5 o'clock hour talking about those uh, those Game Day Express buses. I was asking some questions today, and they gave me some answers. Um, is it weird to look at the crowd reported at just over 50,000 and go, what happened? I mean, my... Did my, you think it was going to be just packed to the Raptors and... Yeah, you've got over fifty-seven thousand season ticket holders, and you know these games are sold out. Um, what was your take on fifty thousand? I know a lot of people looked at SoFi. I think SoFi had sixty-eight out of like eighty-five, and people were like, "See, like, see what? It's a preseason game." Well, I know I've talked to a couple of people that just said they have season tickets. They they didn't want to really sell them, but they also like they didn't want to go until it's a real game. So I think there, there was a certain amount that just weren't going to go. They want to see a real game. They want to mm-hmm. see the, the starters. And that's the Mark Davis. Like, I'm going when there's a full crowd, when it's a real game. Like, that's what I'm going to do. Um, so I know that there were some of those. I also know that there was a lot of people. Like, the, I thought, yes, it was going to be full. I'll get that out of the way first. Yes, oh, I did? thought it was okay. going to be full. I was wondering. I, but, I, I didn't know if the, the angle to take on this was, hey, that was a pretty good crowd. Or 
hey, this is kind of surprising that everyone didn't show up, but or, if, or they didn't sell them. Yeah, a few hours to have for, everyone, you know, to have a full crowd. Yeah, a few hours before the game, then I was like, oh, it's not going to be full because there were so many tickets that were available on the secondary market. And I was how like, how much well, were they? Did you look at prices? Yeah, I mean, two hundred, two fifty. Yeah. Ooh. Um, and then I was like, okay, and, <laughs> I want, and, might want to lower them at the last minute, the last hour, or so you're going to unload them. You would think, but I also think that that was a plan. Um, I am, um, I, I'm, I often go on some of the Facebook groups and Reddit groups and things like that just to see what fans are talking about, what they're talking about. Connecting with the people. Well, no, I just, I, I like just, that. Uh, I don't comment. I just, <laughs> I just see what they're saying. I, I like to it's get smart. their It's smart. I bust you all the, I bust on, on you all the time for not being with the people. Yeah, but I am. And uh, I know that there was a lot of talk among some PSL holders of do not, do not take less money for your tickets because you're going to set the precedent for, and this is what happens in, in every other sport and also what happens at T-Mobile where, you know, people are getting, you know, 180, 190 for their tickets. And then right before game time, people start dropping them. And so now everybody knows, hey, just wait till the game starts and people are going to drop well, the tickets. But the trick there is you have to find a way to get down there. Then you have to find a way to park. I suppose you could take, I guess you could take one of the those RTC buses down there and then just hang out if you can't get into the game. Sure. Um, Not an yeah. easy place to get to at the last minute. I actually, I did very last minute rideshare um, pricing. So I, I probably lived 12 miles from... I mapped it to Mandalay, right. and at that point, it was $70. Ooh. I mean, the arrival was 617 so it would have been into the game a little bit. Yeah. But you, you get what I'm saying? Like, if I, you know, if you'd picked up a ticket 45 minutes before the game and you're sitting at home for yeah, a cheap price, you got to find a way to get down there, too. Well, you would go down there and then start shopping, you yeah. know, that, and that's what you do for Golden Knights. I, I, that's what I've seen people do. Uh, so I think there was, I mean, collusion is the right word. Oh, wow. Like, do not drop your ticket prices. We don't want people to think that this is how it's going to be done for games so i think there was some some collusion among season ticket holders of hey if people aren't going to pay 200 do not sell it to them surprised people are bonded on that one sure sure you just want to get something for it well it's it helps it, it does help everyone i mean i'm not i'm not yeah, yeah of course i'm not advocating for them but it does help them in the long run when they do want to sell their tickets of yeah. then all of a sudden nobody's buying your tickets because they just want to wait till right before the game starts and pay pay nothing for them so uh, manipulation of markets, I guess, is what it is. So, I, I mean, I don't know how long it's going to last. I don't know if they're going to, you know, stick that out. I think at some point, if you're not going to go to the game, you're, you'll try to get whatever you want for your tickets. But I do think there's a little bit of that as well. Uh, coming up, we'll get into positives, negatives from the uh, Raiders' victory over the Seahawks. Uh, we'll get into the quarterback play, even though it was the, the third stringer out there in Nate Peterman. You had some defensive standouts, maybe some guys you wouldn't expect. Also, some running backs stepping up that, you know, we weren't really familiar with. And by the way, it just came down in the last 15 minutes. Uh, at least a half dozen players have been waived or released, and we'll tell you about that as well. Nova Home Loans brings you Trending at 3. It's a refi rate at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. Fourth and goal from the sixth-inch line, and here we go. Gruden and the Raiders are going for it. Peterman's up underneath James. Hands to Regis, touchdown, Raiders. Emmons stays in, blast toward the end zone, touchdown. Well, you know, he didn't even have to go up in the air because the Raiders offensive line got such tremendous push. Now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Couple of the touchdowns, that's heard on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Brent Musburger, Lincoln Kennedy on the call. Regis and Emmons. Who? 
Uh, Emmons is a very interesting prospect for sure. Uh, Emmons is a guy, John Gruden actually said last week, uh, that Josh Jacobs must be his agent. Because he like he was like, we got to get him, we got to get him, we got to get him, we got to take a look at this guy. And uh, brought him into the mix, another Alabama running back. There actually is one less today because Bo Scarborough uh, has been released. But um, another Alabama running, backs in the, running back in the mix, although you're not going to see that he went to Alabama if you look at the roster or anything like that because he left. He was the number two prospect in the nation, went to Alabama, uh, arrived at Alabama. And I'm trying to think exactly the timeline, but uh, Alabama at the time had guys like Kenyon Drake, Josh Jacobs, uh, Bo Scarborough had just left. Like they were packed in the backfield, uh, so he ended up leaving and transferring. Um, so you know, interesting story, uh, and a guy that has really looked good on the practice field. Uh, Regis the same. Regis had an insane spin move the other day at practice. Uh, it was probably the best play of the entire day, uh, where he basically just broke uh, uh, down Levitt's ankles, left him on the ground behind him in a one-on-one tackling drill. Uh, so, you know, both guys have, have looked pretty good. The question is, and I think at first glance it looked great. Um, again, I haven't uh, – I don't think the film is – last time I checked is not up on uh, on Game Pass yet if they're even doing it because there's a whole weird thing with Game Pass this year, which – What does that mean? To get, um, they're, they're updating how Game Pass works. I don't know how many people out there use it, but um, NFL Game Pass is a subscription thing where you have to pay for an entire year, but you get – all you get all of the replays all of the angles uh, all of the camera views and you can uh, go play by play uh, and it's really easily sortable uh, so you can be like all right let me watch this play let me watch this play let me watch this play let me watch all runs by this guy let me watch all runs by the team let me watch all passes by the team you can you can really um, go through film in a quick period of time which is great but there's a lot of talk that they're uh, they're changing it this year uh, and it's going to be a while before we get all that all that access so a little nervous about that, but I've not seen the. Uh, <laughs> I'm a little nervous I, about um, that because I—that's how I spend my weeks. Like looking back over the game, um, I, you know, I could still tape the game and go watch it, but I have all the angles and the sortable uh, features is great. So not to you know, sorry to golf on my own thing, but I have not seen the film yet. So the, what I want to go watch, and again, it looked good in real time, but I, I think people kind of missed this part of it. Um, how those guys ran very clearly, they ran really well in the game, no question. They were, they were hitting the holes hard. They were running with, with authority. They look great. You know how much that matters? Zero. Are these the kind of guys who could be stashed on a practice squad? Sure. But, I mean, they're, what they're going to look for is how well they picked up the blitz, yeah. uh, how well they handled their responsibilities in the passing game. Uh, did, they, did they, you know, make the right read uh, if they're the hot route out of the backfield, if there's nobody to block? Like, all those things. That's what matters. Like, how you run the ball is such a small part of being an NFL running back. So, um, yeah, I think they're going to be happy with how they ran it. Like I said, at first glance, watching the game looked like they did really well in those aspects uh, of the passing game. But that's what it's going to be because right now um, they're battling with a guy like Jalen Richard, who has been there for a while and, by the way, is really, really good at those things. <laughs> that's what he's great at. And that's what you need to be as, as somebody playing that role. So, What's the latest with Richard? Still hurt. Uh, saw him wheeling around the, uh, with the facility on a, a cart the other day. Really? Yeah, he's well, definitely maybe that, maybe that opens the door for one of these guys. Possibly, and the but the other thing is salary. I mean, you know, Jalen Rashard makes a lot of money. They don't, and so you know that's that's going to be a big factor in this. But really, it's it's not going to be how well they run the ball. It's going to be how well they do those other things. And uh, like I said, first glance watching live looked like they did well. But you you know, it's really tough to tell until you go back and get the film. Oh, uh, guys, wave today and cut Case Cookus. 
Eberly, the kicker. You guys are all you have your little inside joke going with uh, Case Kiefer recovers the the Raiders for the Las Vegas Sun. What was the deal with him? Uh, he's been really good at practice, and so you know while Carlson's been out, uh, while COVID Carlson has been on the on the sideline, uh, Cook is, or excuse me, Eberly has been really good, um, and Case has tried to make it into you know this uh, this kicker competition. Case Kiefer from the Sun. Um, I don't think it's going to happen. In fact, we were texting each other like, "Oh man, this is sad. Sad day for Case Kiefer. Doesn't get the kicker competition anymore." But Carlson's back off the COVID list. They have to get to eighty five tomorrow. Uh, they're doing the gradual cutdowns, so it's 85 tomorrow. I think it's 80 next week. Uh, so had to get rid of some guys. And uh, Eberly, the extra kicker in camp, uh, is one of those guys to go. Liam McCullough cut. Uh, you mentioned Scarborough. Scarborough cut. Caleb Scott cut. Uh, technically waived. Released. Uh, Bowsby and Westbrooks. Yeah. Yeah. Any surprises? Um. Not really. I mean, Everly maybe a little bit. Like, if you don't want to keep him around, I, I know that there's there's two punters and two kickers in camp, so it looks like they're going with two punters uh, for right now. Maybe that's a competition that we'll uh, have to monitor a little bit more. Um, but yeah, it, I thought you know Case Cookus was the most obvious. I thought. I mean, I thought they brought him in uh, because Carr wasn't going to play, and then Mariota got hurt, so he wasn't going to play. So you had to have a second quarterback, um, and they did give. Um, they did. I don't think a lot of people might not have noticed it, but they did give Case Cookus the final snap the other day to come in and hand off. So he, he did get a snap. He did get a play uh, for the team, but that's why he was there. He was there uh, because they needed a fourth quarterback for Saturday, and uh, so not a surprise that he's gone. Uh, Bo Scarborough hasn't made much of an impact, and you've got the other guys. They've seen Bo Scarborough. They've had him before. They know what he's got, so probably easy to bring back. He knows the offense. He was there a couple of years ago, uh, so you know, the other the other two that we just talked about uh, have stated their case pretty well, and they'll stick around. These games are always interesting because we're all watching the Raiders in the red zone. Got to get a lot more touchdowns over field goals. And I, I thought, you know, a lot of the field goals hurt their cause a year ago. But how do you grade it when you've got the third stringer out there? What does it mean that, you know, Nate Peterman is running the offense uh, in these, you know, red zone situations? What do you think about the execution? I mean... Again, you can't fine. take too much away from it. Gruden, after the game, talked about it and kind of said, you know, I'm tired of hearing about it, but we do have to get better. Yeah. Um, it's been an issue. And, it, you know, they got to the red zone a lot last year. They moved the ball a lot, but they came up short a lot. Now, I, I did see people pointing out, like, oh, they got aggressive. They actually went for it on fourth and one. They did go for it on fourth and one last year, a lot in the red zone. Um, and they got it. They picked it up a lot. But it was – my issue was more you don't go for it on fourth and two, fourth and three, fourth and four. It's only fourth and ones that you go for. Uh, and they they were did it they did it they were successful at it last year so I, I think that maybe that's a sign they're going to continue to do do it that way be a little bit aggressive but we'll see the regular season it's a lot more difficult than it is in the preseason when the result means nothing you know we got some we had some pretty good numbers last year you know if we would make one of these articles you know we 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 did score points and move the ball and uh, we're going to be better in the red zone but um, you know two out of four you know we, we want to be four for four and We'll hopefully get better and better as the season goes on. It's a kind of a sore subject, really. It's kind of like uh, getting old to me. We know we got to get better, and until we do, we're going to keep hearing about it. Okay. So does that mean keep asking about it or stop asking about it? I think stop asking. That's about what I it. thought too. Um, but then he admitted he's like, we're going to keep hearing about it. And but you brought up the best point. You know, being aggressive and going forward on fourth down doesn't mean just fourth and one. Right. And I I think there were were a lot of cases last year where it just looked like as the plays were being executed, the plays were being called in the red zone, that settling field goal was not 
that worrisome. And I think it should be uh, in a division that is pretty high powered. Hell, the, based on the, and we'll get to the quarterback play with the Broncos, you know, maybe they have a chance to be a little better offense if those guys that are actually humming. Again, it's a preseason game, but we know the Chargers offense should be good and forget about the Chiefs. They're ridiculous. Yeah. So this, you know, kicking field goals that are, you know, under whatever, 29 yards, ain't getting it done. Yeah, for sure. And, and In maybe, a lot of cases. Maybe it changes your mindset if you have a better defense. I, I don't know. Um, but Touche. Uh, we'll, we'll see. I mean, we'll see how it plays out this year. Again, what do you – yeah, they went for it with Nate Peterman, and Nate Peterman picked it up a couple times. Like, that's not going to happen in the regular I, season. I will say the Nate Peterman keeper on the uh, first series trying to go for the touchdown. <laughs> Didn't look great? <laughs> no, he was not. No. He was not Cam Newton diving over the pile. No. Or, uh, I don't know, you give me a, you know, even Tom Brady. Not known as a runner, but if you need to dive from one yard. Brady's good Bra- on the fourth Bra- and ones. Brady's though. actually good. Yeah, he's good on the but Peterman, like, got, he went immediately high up in the air and got popped in the chest yeah it wasn't the best no. effort it wasn't the most athletic effort from peterman <laughs> uh but yeah there's you know you you want to watch i you know i saw people very fired up about the offensive line ah oh, look at the push they're getting they're they're not going to be on the field and the guys that pushed are not going to be on the field like you really can't judge it you can what you can judge from those games is yeah some of the some of the rookie guys some of the depth guys that are actually going to play that got on the field and like you can see how they go and schematically you can see a little bit of what teams want to do although they're not game planning for the other team so you really can't tell anything from that um but you're you're watching the the fringe guys the guys that have a chance to make the roster and i thought you know the guys that we're talking about the the depth running backs uh regus and and emmons both kind of you know stepped up and played well again we don't know the the final results of how they played but um played pretty well and uh you know, those are the kind of things you watch. And and the coaching, I don't want to judge too much on on whether they're aggressive or not aggressive because again, there's no repercussion. You're not trying, uh, you're not trying to win. And, and like I saw people getting all over Gruden for being conservative again when the, it was 13-7, they score a touchdown late, and he kicks the extra point. Insanely stupid. It's also preseason. So like would he have done that in the regular season? I don't know. I don't think so. But in the preseason, you don't go for it. First of all, you don't want to have any chance of overtime. That's one of the main goals of preseason, avoid overtime. So if you go 14, you're opening the door for a possible overtime. Like, why would you go for two in that situation? Yes, in the regular season, you're supposed to. Right. And I would hope that he would. I don't, I'm not confident that he would, but I would hope that he would. But I, I don't think you judge in the preseason and say, well, he didn't go for it. That's a really bad decision. I don't know what his thinking was. Offense dominated uh, time of possession. Defense wasn't on the field much in the first half. Second half, uh, you got to see some warts, and Gruden talked about the positives and negatives of the defense. That was a good start. You know, we had 17 snaps of defense in the first half. I think we had 52 snaps of offense. So, you know, you're going to play better when you're not out there. We gave up a third and 17, a a penalty, uh, which we can't allow to happen. Uh, We gave up a touchdown on a blown coverage. But other than that, I thought we flew around. I thought um, Nate Hobbs showed up on a blitz, and uh, the energy was great. We're getting better. We still got a long way to go. They do, and it's one preseason game. And we'll talk about Hobbs more in the 5 o'clock hour. And I think the third and 17 that he was referencing, was that not the roughing on Nassib? Or is yeah, that a different play? I thought it was. Well, anyway, the roughing on Nassib, again, another bad sign for the NFL. If that's a roughing penalty. Yeah, but it was also stupid. I mean, I, I get it. I get it that it's if that's a, if that's a personal foul, what are we doing? Right. But also, what are you? Do, why are you? Why 
what good does that do? Yeah. The the pass was off. Nassib looks, turns him, sees him, takes two steps toward him, and then just puts his hands on him gently. Like, but why? I, I get it. I, I'm 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 with like that should not be a penalty, but I'm also like, what was the what were you trying to accomplish there? I don't get it. <laughs> I, I don't I don't get it on either side. I think it's soft, but. Not going to go crazy over it again. Uh, preseason, and you're right. Lesson learned: don't touch the quarterback ever. If you do anything to the quarterback, uh, even if you feel like you know the play is still alive or it's a split second, they're going to freaking throw the flag on you. All right, we're going to bounce around the NFL. We'll get into uh, some of the quarterback battles and uh, specifically what's going on with the uh, secretive nature of the Patriots and Belichick. And we're talking Belichick and like all facets of life being all secretive. Want to be part of the show? Tweet at Steve Cofield or call 702-364-1100. Cofield and Company. Company. Back in the day, Matt Millen used to rip quarterbacks' helmets off, throw them them to the boundary, and then just laugh at them. And that was okay then. What is this game turning into, Rich? They're too soft. (laughs) These quarterbacks are too soft, man. They couldn't have, I couldn't have played back How, in your day. I started no. with Rich, Rich Bannon and Matt Millen, and I ended up with Waldorf and Astoria from the Muppets up here. It happens. It happens. That was actually early in the game, but it happens. You know, at some point during a preseason game, you're like, okay. We can't take this too seriously, but yeah, Rich Gannon, Matt Millen on the broadcast with Beth Mowens, TV side, and uh, Beth throwing out the uh, the two old grumpy guys. I didn't know, you know, I actually did not know their names, so that was good knowledge I on her part. I was literally just going to ask you, is that really their names? I have no idea. I love them, though. It's basically our show. Of course. Uh, Everyone who's on the show. Yeah, I've been outside compared of like to those guys for you have, so long. You have been. I still have never looked it up. <laughs> just just sitting up on the balcony, mocking on everything and everyone. It is It is their name. Yeah. She was right. Impressive. She knows her stuff. She's a pro. Impressive. Yes. That's very impressive. Right, we got a lot of quarterback battles to hit around the National Football League. Your guess, because Belichick ain't going to give much away, and Cam Newton was getting a little bit salty. He finally said to the media, you know, about the job. And if you're starting week one, as he told you, and he's like, listen, I know as much as you guys do. Do you think he's been told he's a starter and he's, and he's covering for Belichick and Belichick told him, don't tell anyone. No, I don't think, I don't think so. I don't think think coaches do that. You think coaches like will employ a player to be involved in a work? Like, you know what? Let everyone believe Mac Jones has a real shot here. You're my guy, but don't say to anyone that you're my guy. And this helps Mac think that he's really competing. You and I are together on this brother. I don't I don't know. I, I know for a fact that as players are walking to do press conferences, they are informed of what the hot topics of the day are, what might be asked. Post game, really? No, I'm, I'm like at practice. Oh, at practice, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's a good thing. Yeah. That's a real pro media, well, a professional handling the media. Sure. Professional way to handle the media because you never want to get up there and all of a sudden – you know, there's some story that you didn't know anything about. Yeah, and so I know, I know that happens. Um, whether the players, you know, choose to follow up and say, "Well, what am I supposed to say to that?" or "What, you know, what's my answer supposed to be?" Uh, that's different from everyone, but um, they're usually informed of, "Hey, this is probably what is going to be asked about." So players usually do know, you know, what could be coming. Um, so that's that's something. 
but in terms of like, would a coach tell them that? I, I don't know. Um, we got a little, I don't want to say a slip up, but like we got a little bit of a insight into potentially that with the Raiders last week. Um, uh, I, I don't remember if we talked about this here, but, um, as you know, the day the Raiders practice got canceled, not practice, the on-field work got canceled for that day. They still practiced. They still did everything in the building. They still worked out. They did their tape, everything. They didn't have on-field practice. And, um, one of the things that Derek Carr said was, Hey, I had no idea. And then he said, I don't know what anybody else might've said up here, but it's like, I definitely didn't know, which to me said, okay, they knew, but he was just covering in case somebody else said something different. <laughs> so that was my impression of what he said. So that was kind of a, to me, and I could be wrong about this. It's my interpretation. That was a slip up of, Hey, we knew something but we're not supposed to say that we knew something. We're supposed to tow the company line that we didn't know that this was going to happen today. Um, but that could, that could be different too. I could be misinterpreting what he was saying. Absolutely. I could. Uh, that's just, that's just kind of what I felt because it was weird. They put on their pads, they came out and they were like, Oh, we're not practicing. Okay. This is weird. Um, so I don't know, but to, to, to answer your question, would they tell them, Hey, you're the starter, but we're playing this game in the media that we don't know. Yeah. I think it's possible, especially with a veteran player who's been around, who can handle a press conference. I think it's possible they would tell him something like that. The The Patriots race between these guys is fascinating because I don't know if Newton has a big lead, if he has a small lead. I'm not sure what Belichick's approach is going to be versus other coaches out there. If it's better to go with the old guy and then have him lose the job and have the gum, uh, young guy come to the rescue. If, hey, foregone conclusion, the young guy is going to be the guy, so you just you roll him out there. I, I don't know what's going to happen. I think, I mean, I think in game number one, I think they – Kind of made things pretty easy for Mac Jones, you know. Let's sure. just get some rhythm, complete some passes, but he didn't get to show his full range. That said, he's competing with a guy that I actually don't believe can really push the ball down the field with very much accuracy. It's a different style, and, I mean, and maybe Cam Newton is back closer to having the kind of you know arm strength he had in the past. But man, the I just I wasn't impressed with him last year in terms of being able to be a full range quarterback. No, and I, I think the Patriots see that, but you also, you know. I think the what he can do, and I I I thought when he went there and, um, you know was was going to work with Belichick. I thought it would be an interesting pairing of like how Belichick would figure out how to use him and what he would do with him. And then we don't really know because there wasn't an off season. They didn't get to work together. They just kind of threw themselves on the field and said, "Let's go." Uh, so it was different for them. But I think that there was times last year where it was kind of a mess, and there was times last year where I was like, "Oh man, Belichick has this figured out. Like this is going to be dangerous for some teams." of what he the positions that he's putting Cam Newton in, they just didn't have time to work on it in the offseason. So well, Belichick is he's very secretive. We yeah. know that. He's not going to give anything away for a while. Um I think Patriots media may may have sniffed something out. He looked to have a wedding band hmm. on his ring finger. And oh, you know I'm a big fan of Linda Holiday. Ooh sure. la la. Sure. What a what a nice looking lady. Good catch for Belichick. Sure. What do you think? Did he there's rumors he got secretly married. Could it be wearing one of those dude engagement rings? Yeah, I've seen those. Yeah. Could it be one of those? Is he trying to fend off other Suitors? women? Maybe she's trying kind of to. like the cocktail waitresses in town. You know, you put it on the ring. Like, she's married. Cocktail waitresses do it at that. Uh, he, maybe she said, hey, listen. I need some kind of commitment ring here. No, I know you're on the road a lot. You're very, <laughs> you're very hot and, you, you know. You got that big chest. In-demand guy. Got that big chest that John Bontobel loves. Belichick chest. You're taking, taking that dog to the dog park all the time, trying to meet girls. Nike? 
Nike. Yeah. That that dog is a uh, chick magnet. Yeah. So if we're gonna stay together, you're gonna wear. You gotta show. You gotta show yeah. commitment. Show something that you're that you're tied down. Uh, was he trying to get some sort of commitment to Zach Ertz when he wasn't supposed to be? Seemed like it. What does that mean? He, according to a report, I saw a picture of them kind of meeting outside the stadium, uh, Ertz and Belichick, and uh, Ertz introduced Belichick to his wife Julie, the uh, soccer star. Sure. And. It's, from what the reporter said, now I didn't see the audio of this. I don't think there was audio. I think it was just the reporter relaying the conversation. Uh, Belichick said, I'm still trying to get you, but they want two first round picks and like my firstborn child for you. And, like, I'm not going to. I'm not Someone gonna heard that? It. Yeah. Get out of here. That's what the reporter said. Wow. And so, like, it could just be small talk, I guess, but it definitely sounds like there's something there. Now, I also don't know what. Doesn't sound good for Hunter Henry. No. They signed uh, two tight ends. Yeah. For big money. Yeah. Henry's hurt. Yeah. Hurt. Got to got to replace him. Wow. Th- this new uh, two tight end set with no with no Hunter Henry out there, they're going to need to get him. So, I, I don't know. It's a it's a weird situation. There there's a, certainly rumors that Zach Ertz is going to be traded before the deadline. Um I love Zach Ertz. I think he's great, but I also really hope he gets traded because I made some significant investments in Goddard this year. Uh, so I'm uh, based on... You're already leaving. doing fantasy football? Oh, yeah. What are you, in dynasty leagues? Several. And, oh, really? I didn't and, know that. And I did a couple of drafts for this year already. Oh, you have? Yeah. How many uh, How many teams are you going to have total? I'm trying to get back to 20. Trying to get back to 20. Last yeah. year was depressing. You were down to like 13 or 14? Yeah, 14. All right. All right, well, the king of fantasy sports, I'm not sure that he's that big on football anymore, but he loves fantasy baseball. He loves baseball. Our... Uh, one of our great gambling insiders, Dave Koken, host of our DC and the Sunshine Man podcast later in the week. He's up on Cofield and Company. We'll ask him uh, for his reaction on Scherzer telling Dave Roberts, don't effing touch me. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Now, back to Cofield and Company. Fourth inning, I pat him on the butt like, hey, nice going. And he mumbled something under his breath, and I'm like, did he just say, don't effing touch me? <laughs> and then I got the scoop from our players, like, hey, Doc, uh, make sure you don't touch him. He doesn't want anyone to touch him. <laughs> hey, man, did you just mumble something like, don't effing touch me? And he goes, yeah, and I gave you the tempered, most respectful way I can say it, because this is my job. I don't need any kind of uh, congratulations or support, because that's my job. And so we got a little kick out of it. So you, suffice to say, tonight, if you got me, I won't be uh, patting him on the butt. Got it. If you Scherzer, don't touch his keister, don't touch him, period. I kind of like that. We're all eternal distancers. And I think the other part of that is he's like, I don't need encouragement. So until the job is done, don't touch me. I'd like, like to a think little, it's a little superstitious thing. I'd like to think it's just COVID. Like, protocols, bro. I don't think don't so. Yeah, me. I don't think he's an eternal distancer that way. Uh, Dave Koken is with us to talk a little baseball. You like that intensity, right, from Scherzer, don't touch me? I've never been a, a guy hugger. Um, and I have certainly never... Not that any guys have been doing it for for 50 years, but uh, when I played sports, I didn't like being patted on the butt by guys. Uh, I, I love it if a girl does it, but yeah. uh, but guys, you know, leave me alone. Okay, shake hands, fine. I like fist bumps now. I think those are great, but uh, leave my butt alone if you're a guy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, any other issue there is like some people need positive reinforcement. Uh, others don't. And, you know, as Scherzer was saying, like, the job's not done yet. Just stay away from me. 
Yeah, I love his intensity. I really do. I mean, it, it's there's nothing phony about it either. I mean, Max Scherzer really does bring it. And I admire his restraint because his defense, I mean, the defense last night, the Dodgers were going to win the game because the Mets were getting crushed. But uh, uh, they were just making all kinds of mental errors and physical errors behind Scherzer. And uh, so, okay, give me the ball. I'll take care of things. Uh, that was a great pickup for them. I, I, I really think that that's, to me, that, that puts the Dodgers back in the driver's seat as far as winning the whole thing's concerned. White Sox wind up losing 2-3 or three to the Yankees. Uh, they haven't been great against teams that are good, you no. know, labeled in no. contention. They're only 16-21. and 21. You a little worried? Uh, yeah, I, I think I think you should be. Um, I'm not sure that this team is going to have the dominant pitching that they're going to need in the postseason because that's what they need in the postseason is dominant pitching. I mean, Rodon's got a shoulder issue now. Dallas Keuchel is useless at this point. I'm not even sure. I know he's pitching tonight, but uh, I'm not even sure he makes the postseason roster the way he's going. They're not going to need a fifth starter in the postseason, and uh, and they don't need bullpen guys. So, yeah, their pitching's a little bit dicey right now. Uh, the offense should be pretty good, but that's not how you win in the postseason. You don't outslug the opposition. you got to outpitch them. And I think the White Sox, uh, White Sox nation, if there is one, should be a little bit concerned about that. Yeah, and there are people out there who thought, hey, LaRusso, not a good hire, might be out of touch. This is where he makes his money with this situation. They got Kimbrell to build a super-powered back end of the yep. pitching staff. And Hendricks has not been good of late. I don't know if it's affected him, like he's worried about Kimbrell taking the job. But this is when LaRusso has got to settle, especially Hendricks down. You know, Kimbrell gave up a three-run homer uh, last week to yep. uh, mine, So his numbers are a little blown up. But he's got to fix his situation because he can't have Hendricks going freaking south. Well, I don't know that Larusa can do much about it. Um, and if you recall, I think we talked about this last week. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the move for Kimbrel. I think it it actually congests the bullpen. Guys had their roles previously. Now I think they don't know what's going on. Feelings might have been hurt. And all I can say is Kimbrel and uh, and uh, Hendricks haven't exactly been stellar since the trade happened. You mentioned Kimbrel's blow up, and and Hendricks has now had two very bad outings. Sometimes uh, too much addition is actually subtraction. Dave, are the Mets going to come out of this? Because uh, in trying to do so, their their schedule's freaking stacked. No, I don't think so. Um, the one bright side is Taiwan Walker got back on track in his last start, which really is very important because he'd been struggling. Stroman's been solid. But if the main guy isn't back and in his typical form, they got no chance. And I don't think there's any guarantee at this point that DeGrom is going to be right the rest of the year. So they've got a They've got some troubles. The good news is the Phillies aren't great. The Braves look like the best team in the division right now, but they're not a cinch either. So I don't think the Mets fall out of it necessarily, yeah. but they're in some trouble right now. But this is massive, though. They're they're one game over 500. They're yep. two and a half back in the division, and they just got swept by the Dodgers, and now they still have 10 more games to go well, okay, against the Dodgers the, and the Giants. Yeah, the upside is getting swept by the Dodgers. I mean, it would have been nice if they won one game against the Dodgers, but – Getting swept by the Dodgers isn't a disaster. The problem, the biggest problem is the Phillies have the easiest schedule, I believe, in Major League Baseball yeah. in the last month of the season there. I think the winning percentage, present winning percentage of their September opponents is like 446 or something like that. So I think the Phillies are the favorite in the division right now. Uh, and whoever wins the division will be leaving shortly after that in all likelihood because they're just not as good as the other teams that are going to make the playoffs. Uh, ESPN.com did a really good job of tracking the basically the eight teams that have given up or just stink and there's some really bad ones and the Phillies have 24 games that's a yep. that's major league high 24 games scheduled against the eight worst teams so 
Uh, now, on the flip side of that, the Padres schedule is just a mother the rest of the way. And Dave, you oh know, boy. the Padres didn't do a whole lot to help their pitching staff. And they are that pitching staff is now freaking falling apart. And they've lost five of seven. Well, it looks like they're signing. This tells you how bad things are. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't checked in the last couple hours, but the reports are they were going to sign Jake Arrieta, who arguably is the worst pitcher in Major League Baseball this year. <laughs> um, uh, he's got nothing left. Yeah. They, they've got uh, look, they struck out. On the deadline deals, uh, Mackenzie Gore has become the mystery of 2021. Uh, they got trouble. I don't. I. I think that. I think they're going to miss the playoffs. I really do. Uh, the good news is Tatis is back, and that will spearhead the offense. He's just. I mean, he's the MVP in the league, in my opinion. Uh, even even with the three trips to, to the disabled list, but uh, but you got to got to be able to get somebody out. Darvish has hit the skids, and now he's hurt. Weathers, who's pitching tonight, has been awful lately. Snell, just when it looked like, oh, maybe he's getting it together. He had two really good starts in a row. Nope, not good last time out. Um, they got problems. I, I, uh, and with all the moves they made, the ones they couldn't make at the deadline might do them in. Are the Rockies worth a first five play tonight with uh, Sensatella against Weathers? No, I, I didn't play it. Um, I don't like Sensatella much. and. Uh, so I, did, I, I need to like one of the pitchers that's going. So I left the game alone. But, you know, the way the Rockies have played at home and the way Weathers is throwing it right now, he's either wide of the strike zone or in the middle of the plate, which is a bad thing to do if you're a pitcher. And uh, I can't back him. But the Padres, in, in a matchup of bad pitchers, the Padres have the better offense, so they might be able to get through this one. I was pushing you on the Reds last week. Now, they actually didn't play that well, but the Padres kind of opened the door from the Oh, it's, <laughs> wide, it's wide open. Yeah, it's wide open. And Tyler Malley looks like he might be getting back on track, which would be huge for their rotation because he'd, he'd been struggling. Um, they need to get Castillo back uh, on what was his midseason track. He's starting to look like the pitcher who was uh, struggling early in the season. But I mean, the Reds have certainly got to think they've got a, a great chance right now. How big was that Chris Sale start for the Red Sox? Huge. Uh, and now begins their big series in New York. Uh, this is a this is what we like seeing. If you're a Red Sox or Yankees fan, this is a really big series that starts tomorrow uh, for both teams. If if one team dominates the other in this series, it's going to be really bad news for the team that gets dominated. Uh, if they split, well, we'll see what happens. But uh, that doubleheader tomorrow is enormous. Uh, and the Yankees, no excuses. I mean, they're catching the Red Sox at the right time. They're not having to face Sale. Uh, they've got two good lefties. Out there tomorrow. I mean, this is it's there for the taking for the Yankees right now. If they can't get it done in this series, then I think uh, you might be might be time to pull the curtain down on 2021 for them. Um, and meanwhile, the Blue Jays remain in the mix. Uh, they didn't have a great weekend, but Toronto's still right there. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a fun race. Last one, Dave. We just talked about the bottom of baseball just being pathetic. You've got multiple teams that aren't even a 40 win yet. And, um, you know, the Orioles have lost 12 of 13. The Rockies yep. are unbelievable on the road, how bad they are. I saw the uh, the conversation uh, thrown out there by a White Sox broadcaster that maybe they need to do some thinking on the draft and try to fix tanking. Would you want to do like a reverse order draft? You know, the first teams out of the playoffs actually get the top picks? Uh, I, I wouldn't mind if they go to a lottery. Yeah. Uh, like the other leagues have i think it's it's a fun night uh and uh it brings it'll bring a little more attention to the draft which gets basically no attention right now uh so yeah go ahead and try something i don't know that they're necessarily tanking 
I think they just are that bad. These awful teams. They, they just don't have any talent. Well, the uh, Cubs are tanking. I mean, look at the Cubs lineup they're throwing out there now. The Cubs. Are oh tanking. yeah. Oh yeah, but it's not like the guys that are. Uh, well, they gave up uh, at midseason. Right. I don't know if it's really tanking, as much as it's like you know we need because the Cubs aren't going to do this every year, um, and I, I think you'll see the Cubs make some some moves in the off season. If they do it on a consistent basis for a couple of years, then you could say, well, they're just looking at a stockpile of draft choices. The other thing is the baseball draft is not nearly as sure a thing as, for instance, the NBA draft or even the NHL draft. A lot of top picks, a lot of first-round picks in, in Major League Baseball never see the majors. That's a good point. All right, Dave, we appreciate it. You can find Dave's stuff at wagertalk.com, and we talk to him uh, at the end of the week on the DC and the Sunshine Man podcast. Thanks, Dave. You got it. And thanks for not bringing up my 150 to one shot on Roger Sloan that made it to a playoff and lost yesterday. Ah, uh, you could have had a third, a third. Actually, and what the winner come in at like 55 to one? Yeah, but I didn't have Kisner. Damn it. Yep. Damn it. Wrong big bet. Sorry, Dave. Oh, well, see ya. <laughs> Close. Close, but no cigar. In your case, no cigarette. Uh, if you want to be a big radio star like uh, Dave Koken has been for all these years, you got your chance. Raider Nation Radio 920 is looking for next big radio star. Could be you. If you think would you. Uh, or you think if you have the uh, what it takes to be on the air, if I can ever read that correctly, submit a 60-second video or less showing the guys on r 920 what you can do, and you may be part of the show. Morning Tailgate with Clay Baker right there on Raider Nation Radio 920. Grand prize winner will also get a new flat-screen TV, home-and-away Raiders jerseys, uh, and a two-foot classic sub from Porta Subs every week during the regular season. Uh, voting starts in just a couple of days, so you got to get your video in. All the details are up out front. On LVSportsNetwork.com. It's LVSportsNetwork.com. Next big radio starts. Your chance. Send a video in now to the folks at Raider Nation Radio 920. Finley Toyota. They'll do anything to sell you a car. No Toyota problem is too tough, too large, or too small. Keep your Toyota running like a Toyota.